Amen. That makes me want to shout Yahweh, Yahweh all day, don't you all? We're blessed that God has revealed Himself to us. Uh, he has given us His Word. And in the, the Bible, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four Gospels record uh, the life, the birth, uh, the teachings, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. And all four of the Gospel writers uh, present a little bit different take on the life of Jesus. Matthew presents Jesus as the sovereign king. Uh, I like that. Mark presents him as a suffering servant. Luke presents him as the son of man and highlights his humanity. And, and John calls him the son of God and really highlights his divinity. So this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to talk about the coming of Jesus and uh, the incarnation God becoming man, born as a baby, is, is probably the greatest miracle in, in history. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that this morning. And it's hard to get our minds around the fact that, that uh, Jesus was fully divine. He was God. And He came and took upon Himself a fully human nature and, and body. Uh, he was born a baby, and yet He sustained the universe. There was a time when He was an hour old, and yet He existed for eternity. Well, he died, and yet he conquered death. He, he has returned to heaven, and yet he is present with us. And so uh, that's why we study theology. We study about God because uh, we can spend our whole lives studying God and really only scratch the surface. That's how big God is. And, and so this morning, we're going to try to look at him a little bit more. I'm in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to talk about the pathway of Jesus' coming. And so if you'll help me honor God's word, I invite you to stand we're going to cover most of uh, Matthew 1 today, but we're going to read uh, verses 18 to 25 as we get started. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And we, we celebrate this morning the coming of Jesus, the one who would come and, and uh, take away our sins. And we pray that Jesus would be lifted up. We pray we'd better have an understanding of how this all came to pass and, and the graciousness that you offer uh, through faith in Jesus to save us and to forgive us. I, I pray your spirit this morning would teach us. Uh, your word is living and active. And we ask, Father, that it would have its full effect this morning for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. <coughs> I love Matthew 1. And we're going to look back at the genealogy before we get done this morning. But uh, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And I just say I, I believe every detail of it. And so the first thing I want us to do is affirm the setting 
of Christ's coming. Affirm the setting. Verse 18, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. And you all know that this betrothal is, is much more than an engagement. It's a legally binding contract that could only be uh, broken by divorce or death. And uh, it's really the first stage of marriage. You know, the second stage would be the actual ceremony. Uh, so they're betrothed. And it says that Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. And so that's referring to, to sexual intimacy. And so we know that Mary was a virgin. And as we celebrate the birth of Christ, uh, we affirm that Jesus was born to a virgin mother. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This with child means that she's pregnant. This particular pregnancy came about not by man, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's important because verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. The prophet was Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Isaiah had prophesied about this virgin conception uh, about 700 years earlier. Now this virgin conception is a great miracle, uh, mysterious even, uh, but we know that God was working out His plan of bringing divinity and humanity together in His Son, Jesus Christ. And so physically, Mary was Jesus' mother, His earthly mother. And if you remember back to last week, Jesus would be the offspring, the seed of the woman who would ultimately come to crush the head of Satan. Now, Matthew specifies that, uh, that he was sent from the Holy Spirit. Now, her husband, Joseph, verse 19 says, was a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph obviously understood the birds and the, beads and the bees, and he would have assumed that Mary had been unfaithful. And uh, so he had two options. He could publicly disgrace her, or he could privately divorce her. Well, in his kindness, he was just going to divorce her quietly. But verse 20 says, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And so Joseph goes to sleep. angel appears to him, addresses him, uh, Joseph, Son of David, we're going to talk about Joseph's lineage. But the angel says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, not only was Jesus born of a virgin mother, we could rightly say that, that Jesus was born of an adoptive father. And so, Joseph, and again, this son of David, that takes us back to uh, chapter 1, verse 1, this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Jesus would come from the line of David. Well, Joseph was in the line of David. And uh, when, when Joseph awoke from his dream, verse 24 says, he did exactly what the angel told him, uh, what com angel commanded him, and he took his wife. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph called the baby's name Jesus. The, the fathers had the privilege of naming their children. And we notice something interesting in, in Matthew's genealogy. Matthew never identifies Joseph as the father of Jesus. What he does do in verse 16, he says, 
Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, uh, of whom Jesus was born. And so Joseph is identified as the husband of Mary rather than the father of Jesus. Uh, But after the angel appears, Joseph takes Mary as his wife. He adopts this child as his own. And when Jesus is born, Joseph calls his name Jesus. And so it is through adoption that Jesus is connected to the line of David through Joseph. And so Joseph, son of David, you know, in the Bible it says with adoption, we have all the privileges of sonship. It's as if we were born that way. Uh, I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 15. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so as believers, we are adopted into the family of God. We ha- we're heirs of God. We are or- joint heirs with Jesus, and we can cry, call God our Father. And so that's, that's what it means to be adopted. And so we're adopted into the family through faith. So Jesus was born of a virgin mother. He was born to an adopted family, father, And Jesus was born into a sinful world. That's the reason for his coming. Verse 21, you shall call his name Jesus. Jesus means the Lord is salvation. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Matthew just lays out the mission for which Jesus came, and that is to save sinners. And part of the reason for the virgin birth is that if Joseph had been Jesus' father, he would have passed on to him the sin nature. Uh, but we understand this, that salvation does not come from man, but from God. We understand that virgin birth is not normal or, or natural, and that salvation does not come from the natural work of man, but it comes from God. And ultimately, God, Jesus is God's Son, the eternal Son of God. And so we affirm uh, the birth of Jesus, the virgin birth, and we affirm the entire biblical account of the coming of Jesus. So we got that part. The, the most important part this morning is I want to announce the salvation that comes from Jesus' coming. I want to try to do this in a timely manner. I know you all have some food on your minds. Uh, but the first part of Matthew 1 is, is so rich. Matthew wants to trace Jesus' line back through David, who was king, and ultimately back through Abraham, who was the father of the Jewish people. So we could ask the question there in verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and and this whole line begins with Abraham, and we might ask the question, well, where does Abraham come from anyway? Well, we find Abraham at the end of Genesis chapter 11. Uh, He's in the land of Haran. And uh, God chose him to be the father of, his, uh, of a new people, a new nation, the Jewish nation. And uh, so he calls Abraham out. He makes these promises to Abraham. And, and so he's the first man in Matthew's genealogy. Then we get Abraham, who had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had Judah. And, and we're familiar with that terminology. And so from this, this line, Matthew runs us through from Abraham all the way to verse 25 the birth of Jesus, the one who would save us from our sins. And here's what I think we notice, or we should notice through Matthew's genealogy. First of all, God saves by His sovereign grace. 
God saves by sovereign grace. First, he chose Abraham uh, by his grace to be the father of his people. Listen, there's nothing good in Abraham. You can read about Abraham. He was a pagan. He was in a foreign land, and God had a special plan for him. And so he calls him out, tells him to leave the land, and, and, and sends him to the, the promised land. If we go through this genealogy, and we, we won't go through every name in this genealogy, but if we do, we could go back to the Old Testament and, and learn about each of these people. And what we realize is that this genealogy is full of sinful men and women. And so let's notice the, the sinfulness of man. Listen, even the best ones on this list, if you start in verse 1 and go through verse, even the, the best ones on this list, Abraham, he, he twice lied about his wife being his sister, he had a polygamous relationship with his servant Hagar. Uh, he has Jacob, and Jacob is called a deceiver. He deceives his brother Esau and gets his birthright and his blessings. We find David in here. He commits adultery. He has an innocent man murdered. He has a son named Solomon. He's a polygamist. He has 700 wives. And, and we could just walk through this list, and there's all kinds of kings. And if you read through Samuel and, and Chronicles and First and Second Kings, you'll find the names of these kings, uh, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asap, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Jotham, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Amos. You'll read about them, and most of them are, are evil kings uh, they turned from God. They led their people, God's people, into idolatry. Some of the great, great, great grandparents of Jesus, some of them hated God. Some of them worshiped idols. Some of them did evil in the sight of God. And so when we see the sinfulness of man, I think we are drawn to the graciousness of God. Specifically, we see the graciousness of God in this genealogy. And so in verse 2, we start with Abraham, we get Isaac, we get Jacob, and soon we get down to verse 3, and we come to a, a lady named Tamar. Tamar is the first woman that's mentioned in this genealogy. Usually, you don't find women in a genealogy, but Matthew has a reason for putting her in there. She is the Canaanite daughter-in-law of Judah. And if you remember, she married Judah's oldest son, and when he died, he got her second son. He died. He was promised, she was promised his third son, and Judah didn't keep his promise, if you remember. And so when we come to Genesis 38, we find Tamar. She disguises herself as a prostitute, and she tricks Judah, who was her father-in-law, into having sexual relations with her. And from that incestuous relationship are born twins, twin sons, Perez and Zerah. They're, they're in this genealogy. And so despite prostitution and incest, God's grace is extended upon Judah and Tamar and Perez. They're there in verse 3, and they are part of the family line that leads to our Savior. Well, Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. In this genealogy, we see the graciousness of God towards the, we could call them the morally outcast. So in verse 3, we find Tamar. By the time we get down to verse 5, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. The second woman mentioned in this genealogy was a prostitute by profession. We read about her in the book of Joshua. She is the one, you know, when Joshua sends the spies to spy out Jericho and they come looking for the spies. Rahab's the one that hides the two spies, really saves their lives. 
And because of that, the Israelites spare her life when they come to, uh, to, to Jericho. She puts the scarlet out the window, and, and they spare her life. But God not only spared her life, but he brought her into the Messianic line. She is the wife of Salmon, who is the mother of the godly Boaz that we meet in the book of Ruth. And so Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. Isn't that neat? Yeah, I think it's neat. Somebody say, that's neat, isn't it? Verse 5, we keep reading, Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. The third woman in this list is a Mobitus. The Mobites were people known for their sexual immorality. The Mobites were the product of an incestuous relationship when Lot, after he came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, when his two unmarried daughters got him drunk and had sexual relations with him, the oldest daughter had a son named Moab, and he became that that. The Moabites became the, the, uh, Israel's most noted enemy. The Israelites couldn't stand the Moabites. You can read about that in Genesis 19 if you, if you want to. Uh, but not only do we see the graciousness of God to the morally outcast, but also the ethnically diverse. Ruth is a Moabite. Rahab is a Gentile from Jericho. Tamar is a Canaanite. That's the pagan people that were in the promised land before they got there. And if you read this Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and I, I hope you'll, you, you get in the Old Testament, you can't help but realize that God is no respecter of persons. Amen? And He is calling people from every people, nation, tongue, and tribe. He is bringing them all into His family. And we see that in this genealogy. It's, a, it's amazing. And listen, if you hear something racially or, or ethnically uh, derogatory in the church, you know this. We didn't get it from our Father. Amen? Because He's not like that. He invites all peoples into His family. Now, we keep reading verse 6. We find Jesse, the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Who's the wife of Uriah? Bathsheba, yeah, she's not mentioned there by name, but she's just referred to as the wife of Uriah. And so she is brought into this genealogy through adultery and and murder. And so listen, Matthew's genealogy of Jesus is so much more than a list of ancient names. These names are loaded with Old Testament history. We can look back and, and learn about each of these people. These people were well known to the Jews. We, we would have to look back and study that the Jews were well acquainted with each of the names on this list. And every name, as they read this, would have triggered something in the minds of the Jews because many of them are evil kings and women of ill repute. And so this is one crooked family tree. Most of us have a crooked. We've got some crazy families, don't we, sometimes? See, most of us do, yeah. Sometimes we're the crazy part of it, I guess. So, so you might say, well, why are you talking about the genealogy? But why, why would you talk about genealogy before Christmas? Why is this so important? The reason it's so important is because I believe it's a beautiful testimony of God's grace and salvation. Why are these names Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah. Why are they included in this list? I, I believe it's to show the sovereign grace of our great God. And uh, 
You know, the past few years we've heard more and more about sexual scandals. We're always hearing about those. Uh, it's interesting that all four of these women in some way were surrounded by a sexual scandal. And that all kind of sets the stage as Matthew is telling this genealogy, that kind of sets the stage for verse 18 because along comes a, a Mary who is an unwed pregnant girl who claims she's a virgin. And so just when there's about to be another scandal, the angel comes and clears it all up for us, doesn't he? And so I just want to point out that this is the family tree from which Jesus would be born. And when he was born, he was called a friend of sinners. And he said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so we're sinners, amen? But God is full of grace, and His graciousness is greater than all of our sins. And uh, I said earlier, I, I think sometimes one of the reasons that some of our churches don't experience more of His presence and His power is because we're so self-righteous, and sometimes I think the Holy Spirit can't hardly stomach much more of it. And I'm talking to myself a little bit there. Uh, I mentioned earlier, this is my 19th year of getting to preach in Christmas season, and I'm humbled by, by that privilege. And uh, if somebody were to ask me, sometimes they do, what, what, you, what have you learned the most in your 19 years of study through the Word? And that, that question is so easy. What I have learned is that God is so full of grace. He is so full of grace. And we see it. In, listen, He's so full of grace, and yet I am so often so self-righteous. God is so full of grace, and we, His, His children, we're, we're often the most self-righteous sometimes. We're like the Pharisees, and, and we, we even have a hard time comprehending His grace. Part of my testimony is, years ago, I got tired of being a Pharisee. I see, I see a Pharisee in the mirror sometimes, and I, I still battle that some, but, but here's what I learned. Jesus didn't like the Pharisees, and I didn't want to be one. And so it, it changed my preaching a little bit. When I, when I first started preaching, I was just a little bit mean-spirited. And, and people liked that. They did. I, I was mean And, and I, so I, I changed that. I, and some didn't like it, but I don't care. I want to be a gospel-centered, grace-exalting preacher. I, I want to meet Jesus one day and realize and say, I'm only here because of your grace. Not because anything by your grace. And I want others, people. I, when, when Mary shared her testimony, it makes me just want to jump a few pews. It's so exciting to, to see that. And uh, Jesus came to save sinners. And uh, He doesn't save us because of our goodness, but by His grace. He, he doesn't save us by our merit, but by His mercy. And we can share that good news. And so let me answer that question. Why are these names included in the list that leads to Christ for the exact same reason that my name and your name is in the list that leads from Christ? Solely by the sovereign grace of God. And praise God that He delights in saving immoral, sinful outcasts. And listen, I love preaching the gospel because I can go and say that God is able to save to the uttermost those who will come to Him through His Son, Jesus. It don't matter what your past was, God is able to save you. I love verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Christmas is really about God's gift to us, and that gift is his, is his son. And so God saves by his sacrificing gift. Now, we, we saw the role of the Holy Spirit in the coming of Jesus. He, he was, uh, we read about that. Uh, John 3.16 shows us the role of the, the Father. 
For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, His only begotten Son. And so the Father gave us His Son. What a, what a gift. He gave us a Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so the Father would give us His Son. He would allow His Son to, to leave heaven, to come to earth, to suffer and die so that we could be saved. And that's the reason we can't celebrate Christmas apart from the cross and the resurrection, simply because the angel announced why he was coming to save his people from their sins. So he came to be our deliverer. And we'll take this home month just to talk about this special deliverer who would come. I want to take just a moment and make sure you understand that, that we're all sinners. And uh, we're sinners. Our God and Creator is, is, is holy. That means he never sinned. He's separated from sin. Our sin separates us from God. Our, our God is not only holy, but he is just and righteous. He is going to punish sin. The Bible says that he'll by no means clear the guilty. And listen, we're guilty. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It's death and separation. That's what we deserve. And so Jesus would come, and, and he didn't have a sin nature, and he never sinned. And because of that, he willingly went to the cross and took our sin upon himself. He bore our sins in our place. And he died, and they buried him. And on the third day, he arose again. He arose in victory over sin and death and hell. And we call that the gospel because it's the good news that we can have our sins forgiven. John 3.17 goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. We, we were already condemned. We're already living under the condemnation of our sins. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And so I hope this morning that you have received the gift of salvation. I hope you know that when I say we're sinners, we're, all, we're in that boat together. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift of all gifts. It's the, the gift of salvation. And it's offered to you this morning if you'll turn from your sins. And if you'll turn from trusting in yourself and turn to Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus. Let me close with this last point. God saves for His supreme glory. You remember the promise that, that God made to Abraham back in, in uh, Genesis 12? He called Abr Abram out and he says, go from this country and I'm going to take you to a new land and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to bless your name and I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. And he says that, uh, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, that promise we see as being fulfilled in, in this genealogy, in this list. And Matthew kind of wants to connect the dots for us. And so, yes, Jesus was born a Jew. He was of a son of David, and yet they're not all Jews in his line, in his genealogy. And he would call 12 disciples, and he would teach them. And before he ascended back to heaven, he gave them a commission. He says, I want you to go to all the nations. I want you to go share this good news with all the nations and baptize them and teach them. But, but to all the nations. And so, church, God's salvation is to be made known to all the people. Psalm 67, verse 3 says, Let the peoples praise you, O Lord. Let all the peoples praise you. I mean, we make a big deal about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering because we want all the peoples in the world, and there are people in the world today who have never heard the name of Jesus. 
And we want all the peoples to praise him. And so, church, the, the glory of Christmas is in the fact that Jesus, our, our Savior, has come. And he came into the world with a mission. And that mission was to save sinners. And I just want to declare to you this morning that he accomplished his purpose. And he paid for our sins. And we, as his people, we're commissioned to go out with the good news and invite people to come and be part of his kingdom. And it's an everlasting kingdom. And we can invite people into it. So that God would be known and glorified to the ends of the earth. And so may his church, may we go share this good news and, and tell people about this gift of salvation that's available. This morning we're going to have an invitation. And an invitation is just an opportunity for you to respond to, to God's word. I hope as we've considered the pathway of Jesus' coming, as we've looked at Jesus' family tree, I, I hope you've recognized God's grace Grace that he extends towards liars and adulterers and prostitutes and sexually immoral and you name it. But my aim is not for you just to, to recognize God's grace and his gift of salvation. My, my desire is for you to receive this free gift of salvation. Uh, listen, his grace is available to you today. And so will you come and be saved today? Verse 21, we'll close with this. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let me ask you this morning, have you been saved from your sins? Will you bow with me for just a moment? We're going to pray, and praise team's going to come. And Before we pray, I just heads are bowed. I, I wonder if anybody would, would like to just raise your hand this morning and say, I want to surrender my heart and life to Jesus, and I want to be adopted into his family by his grace. Anybody here just... Know your loss this morning. Want me to pray for you. Want to surrender your life to Jesus. Be brought into his family. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for all the good news that Jesus came to save sinners. And Lord, as we think about all those that are gathered in this room, we know we have one thing in common. We're, we're but sinners. And you're a God who's mighty to save. And uh, Lord, just you're coming to this earth proved how much you love us and uh, Lord my finite brain can't even grasp all that you did for us in Christ and, but we know that you're good and you're gracious you invite people to be saved and regardless of, of what kind of environment what kind of past they may have Lord your grace is greater than all of our sins I pray someone would have their eyes open this morning to that truth and realize that even they can be saved by your grace. Save someone this morning, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me this morning. and Listen, I just want to, listen, if you're not saved, I, I want you to be saved. I, I want to tell you more about God's grace. Uh, and so you respond. I'd love to talk to you about that. If, if you, uh, you want to take of the Lord's Supper or want to join the church or if you have any type of questions about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'd love to speak to you about that. You, you respond this morning, would you?